The Word of God that engages us this morning comes from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 3, Jesus' baptism. And Jesus' baptism can actually be found at the start of all four of the Gospels, usually followed by his temptation in the wilderness before he begins his ministry and his journey to the cross. Except, of course, in the Gospel of John, we really don't see the event of Jesus getting baptized. Really, we get um, John the Baptist's description of what happens when he heard the voice, when he saw the Spirit come down and rest on Jesus. And if you don't know that one, you got to learn that part in John. John 1.29 is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Not just because of what it says, but because of a certain word. And I'm going to get to it, but I, I, I wrote this down. I wanted to say it. Now, if you've hit that part of your New Year's resolution where you have run through, you've done it, it's been the two weeks, you're ready to give up on it, this is round two. Memorizing this verse, John 1.29. Here it is. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It's a great verse. I love it for everything that it stands for, and I love it because of the word behold. I love to use the word behold. I'm doing laundry. Behold, the sock that I was missing. Now I finally have this pair. Bridget, behold, lane three has less people. Run, get our spot. We don't want to wait too long in line at Target. Behold is a great word. You should use it. But let's read Matthew's account of Jesus' baptism. Here it is. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. That's John the Baptist. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. And as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And I read that and I was like, oh, that's nice. I like that. Baptism is very, very nice. You know, you get to see the, the triune God there. We heard God's voice. We saw the Holy Spirit descending on a dove. We've got Jesus the Son right there. And I was like, oh, yeah. But then I was like, hold up, Matthew, what? Why is Jesus getting baptized? What's that all about? Because at baptism, we receive forgiveness of sins. We become part of God's family, and Jesus had no sin, and Jesus was already God's only son. So I set out on a quest, a journey, to find out why is Jesus getting baptized. And I want to kind of impersonally, I'm not going to kind of, I'm going to. I'm going to personally invite you into the process of the journey that I went on. Now, I'm a big fan of the office, parks, recreation, you know, where they film the people the whole time. And I was like, 24-7, we're filming me, Pastor Mike, maybe. Everybody is getting in on this. We're going to see it. We're going to watch this video clip, and it is going to be amazing. Turns out there's not room in the youth budget for me to be filmed 24 hours a day for an entire week. So I'm just going to tell you, uh, tell you about this process, this kind of behind the scenes uh, and what have you, to get to this moment right here. And so I, I begin my quests or my projects just kind of like you do. You know, I sit at my desk and I realize my desk is a mess. I must arrange the desk before I can begin. So, you know, move your picture like a quarter inch to the left, start to clean it up, put some things away, find a note, read it, laugh, put it away, that kind of thing. Look at your keyboard. It's dirty. What do you got to do? Clorox bleach wipe. You got to clean that thing. So you look for about 20 minutes till you find a Clorox bleach wipe. Then you clean the keyboard. Sit back down. Next step, the perfect mix. You gotta have the perfect mix to capture all the emotions that you're gonna go on on this journey. You finally do it. You're really tired because you've been putting so much work into this project. So you get a glass of water. As you get in a glass of water, you look at the clock, you realize it's lunchtime. 
So you got to take your lunch break. And then you finally come back down and you sit. And that's when you come to think, all right, baptism. Baptism, there's water. Pools have water. Pools are great for holding water. But I need something bigger. I look outside. What's happening? Well, Southern California. It's pouring rain. It's coming down real fast. And I'm thinking to myself, it's a lot of water. You know where else there's a lot of water? The beach. And that's when I can realize the beach. I love the beach. I've been to the beach in a long time. I'm going to go. I'm going to catch some seagulls. I'm going to enjoy the sun, the sand, the sea. Except the last time I went to the beach, it wasn't such a good experience. I had an unfortunate event happen to me at the beach. It was tar. I didn't step in the tar. I somehow rolled or sat in the tar. And what it did was it ruined my second pair of favorite bathing suit. I mean, then it's just destroyed. They're done for. I still have them because, you know, you're not going to throw away a good pair. But they're ruined. It ruined my favorite towel. You know, the really big ones that you take to the beach? Not the little ones that you, you know, but a big one that it still had that same uh, absorption that you get off when you're out of the sea. It's done. It's gone. I just left it there. I threw it away, but it's, it's gone. It was just a, it's not a good experience. It wasn't what I expected. It didn't go how I thought it would. And that's when the light bulb went on and I was like, Jesus is baptism. Done. Wrote the sermon. And here I am. <laughs> Questions. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let, me, let me try to explain. See, I think it's safe to kind of say that Jesus' baptism was an unexpected event, at least for John the Baptist, right? John the Baptist is the first of many who tries to do something. He tries to stop Jesus. Side note, it's not a good idea to try to stop Jesus. I think of all the stories, right? John's going to try to stop Jesus from getting baptized. Wapa! He's getting baptized. He doesn't hit him. I just, I like the wapow noise. All right, next one, right? Uh, Jesus, don't roll away that tomb. It's going to be smelly. Wapa! Resurrected dude. Uh, Jesus, you can't die. Wapa! Get behind me, Satan. Oh, Jesus, you can't have these little children come. Wapa! Bring the little children. Don't try to stop Jesus. That was a side note. I'm getting back to it. Now, John, John doesn't want Jesus to be baptized because he doesn't get it. So I can kind of sympathize with this one. I can kind of sympathize with him because John's baptism is a baptism of repentance. It's a baptism for sinners. It was for those who have turned away from God, who are doing horrible things. It's time for them to repent, to be baptized, and to start to follow God. And yet Jesus is not a sinner. But Jesus speaks, John consents, and then Jesus is baptized. And it's when Jesus is coming up out of the water that we get an invitation to see how God's process is going to work. A behind the scenes, but not a really behind the scenes because it's in public and it's for everyone to see in plain view. This is what God is going to do in Jesus. And we just start to see exactly what is to come. So there are three things that I want to draw your attention to to help us see why Jesus was baptized. The first is that heaven is opened. Do you remember that part? Look, it comes out of the water. Heaven opens up. Now, the text says it's opened up. Literally, heaven probably opened up. It must have been an amazing sight to see. By the way, same thing happens for us when we are baptized, right? Martin Luther talks about how heaven is opened. The triune God is there. The angels are rejoicing. It's a huge party. What an amazing thing baptism is. But as heaven is opened, it's not just literally opened. It's also now open for sinners in Jesus. You see, Jesus' baptism is vicarious. The sinless son of God receives the baptism meant for sinners because he shall be the sin bearer. Meaning this, that while at the cross, the payment for your and my sin is taken care of, here at Jesus' baptism, we get a glimpse 
of what's to come. Our sin put on him. Because his baptism points forward to his death and resurrection. If the cross and resurrection is at the center of our faith in Jesus, baptism is pointing to that. And our baptism assures us of what we have in that cross and resurrection. Because it's all about the reign of heaven starting now. And the reign of heaven only comes in Jesus, so heaven is open so that all people in faith can now truly seek God's reign and his righteousness in Jesus alone. Next, the Holy Spirit descends as a dove. You know, the Holy Spirit's work in the Old Testament is, is always a little ambiguous, right? We, 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 he, he temporarily comes. He's kind of selective. We, we see it at work, and it's coming and going, and we, we, we may not really kind of like, oh, what's going on here, right? We see him uh, uh, fighting for the Lord's people as he confuses enemy armies. We see him giving um, uh, uh, power or, or wisdom or strength maybe to Solomon. We see the Holy Spirit bringing comfort in the way that David played his harp for Saul. And there's other ways that in the Old Testament the Holy Spirit enlightens and convicts and leads the people of Israel. But it is here at the baptism of Jesus that we see the main work of the Holy Spirit. And the main work of the Holy Spirit is to announce or to proclaim that Jesus is the Christ. And while the Holy Spirit will help us fight and wage war against sin, while the Holy Spirit will give each of us gifts, where the Holy Spirit will comfort us and even pray for us, while the Holy Spirit will enlighten us by the gospel, convict us, and move us to passionately follow Christ, the main work of the Holy Spirit is to proclaim Jesus. And that's the reason that those New Testament letters are set up the way that they are. It starts with Jesus and who he is and what he has done and then moves into how we respond to that. It's also important to note that when the Holy Spirit comes down on Jesus, it isn't a temporary thing like in the Old Testament. It rests on Jesus and permanently stays on him. And then think up to the Last Supper when Jesus is going to promise to give his disciples the Holy Spirit and then Pentecost when it comes to the disciples and rests on them permanently and on the church and on you and me and our baptism when we are given the Holy Spirit. See, it's at Jesus' baptism that we begin to understand what we receive, the Holy Spirit. And we begin to proclaim Him and bear the fruit of His Spirit. And finally, there's that voice from heaven, right? This is my son whom I love with him. I am well pleased. God himself, not angels like we saw earlier, not shepherds like we saw earlier, not even Simeon, but God himself saying, this is Jesus. This is my son. This is the savior of the world. And for those who heard it, they must have immediately jumped to, to Psalm chapter 2 or maybe even to Isaiah 42 where they realize that this servant, this holy one of Israel will begin his reign. And listen and read along with me or just listen as we uh, take a look at Isaiah chapter 42 as to what this Jesus will do. 
Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice, meaning that the poor, the weak, the least of these will receive all the benefits of heaven. They will move from slaves, sinners, to heirs of the kingdom. And he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out, will not raise his voice in the streets, but by his death he will topple the strength and the power of this world. He will defeat sin and the devil. And then look at what he will do. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. In his teaching the islands will put their hope This is what the Lord says, the creator of the heaven who stretches them out, who spreads out the earth with all that springs from it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. And we will see Jesus do these things as we go through the Gospels. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or praise to idols. See, the former things have taken place, and new things I declare. Before they spring into being, I announce them to you. In other words, at the baptism of Jesus, the Messiah has come, and he will redeem and save his people. It is the radical reversal made public where Jesus, the perfect Son of God, will completely align himself and take on man's sin and failure and become our substitute as he journeys to the cross. His baptism, his getting in the line, his getting into the water marks the start of what our God is is all about standing beside sinners and taking their place so that when the muck, the stickiness, or the tar of our sin in our lives begins to ruin and destroy, it is Jesus himself who is with you and will remove it as far as the east is from the west, who will remove the former things and create and do something new who will be faithful to you even when you are a bruised reed or a smoldering wick, who will stretch out and give you life, who will stand by your side saying, this one, this one is mine, whom I love, who I was pleased to give my life for. And I want to invite the band forward to come on up to, to lead us in our next song. And, and as they're making their way up, uh, you know, Jesus' baptism serves as an example for us as well, you know, to be baptized, to repent, to follow him, to receive what he offers. And as you marvel at what Christ has done and you rejoice in your baptism, I'd ask you to, to think about this week, who is it? that God is calling you to stand beside? Who needs your help? 
who needs your prayers, who needs an encouraging word, or who simply needs your forgiveness. But who is God asking you to stand beside?